it went straight down the middle. From the Legends Golf Club in Franklin, Indiana, it's straight down the middle. The way we like our tee shots and our golf discussion. Now, here are your hosts, the 38th president of the PGA of America, Ted Bishop, and me, Brian Hammonds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Straight Down the Middle. I'm Brian Hammonds, along with Ted Bishop. On today's episode, we're going to focus on what really everyone has been talking about for the last week, the surprise merger between the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf. Yes, Brian, now that the uh, dust has settled somewhat over the last week, perhaps we can uh, get a better grasp on what all this means. And we're going to be joined today by Golf Channel's Todd Lewis, who has been following this story very closely from the outset. Probably no better person to talk to, actually. And Todd, uh, thanks for joining us. And I guess my first question is, what was your reaction when you heard the news last Tuesday? Mm, well, I was actually playing golf. Uh, I had a rare morning off, and uh, I was walking uh, the golf course, and my phone was in my golf bag, and I thought it was vibrating so much, I thought my stand bag was going to fall over. Uh, so I picked it up and saw it, and I, I really thought it was a joke. Then I saw the official announcement, the official email from the PGA Tour, and uh, I, I said, wow, this is serious, and I was shocked. I mean, I, I just came out of nowhere, considering the rhetoric on both sides over the last year and a half or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's still shocking. It, I mean, I'm at the U.S. Open, and um, I saw Phil Mickelson play a practice around yesterday, and I saw Bryson Shambo play a practice around yesterday, and I'm like, those guys could have an avenue back to the PGA Tour after everything that's been said. So it's it's surprising for sure. Were you hearing any rumblings whatsoever that something might have been in the works? None, um, none at all. Actually, uh, I you know you you hear kind of from players and agents that you know I think eventually these two sides are going to talk, but nothing officially that that either side was coming to the table to have a talk right now. So it was, it was very surprising. Ted, I want to ask you a question. You were once a member of the PGA Tour Policy Board. How do you think that went over with them if, if mm. what has been reported is actually true, that they heard about this for the first time when it was announced on Tuesday? Well, that's a, a really great question, Brian. The only thing that I could equate confidentiality to is I happen to be on the disciplinary committee affiliated with the PGA Tour Policy Board. And in 2014, uh, we did deal with a fairly high-profile suspension of one of the top players on the tour at that time. And to my knowledge, no one else on the policy board was aware of anything that uh, that we were dealing with. So uh, I've, I've got to say that it was certainly unprecedented for a deal of this magnitude uh probably the group that might have had even a bigger issue with the confidentiality aspect of it than the actual pga tour policy board was probably the players advisory committee well well todd the wall street journal's reporting that jay monahan told employees at the pga tour that the elevated purses and the ongoing legal action against live was unsustainable it, if that's the case, it sounds like they were kind of forced into a deal with the Saudis, really to ensure that they're that they're going to survive. Well, I can tell you, you asked me if there have been rumblings uh, about this possibly happening, that the PGA Tour was in 
I mean, they could sustain the way they're spending money on the reserves probably the next two to three years, but after that, they're in trouble. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I think the biggest reason is they're having sponsor issues. Um, if, if you look at the, the, the way the PGA Tour's designated events are set up this year, let's use an example. Let's use Workday, which was the last designated event, the title sponsor of the Memorial. It's the Memorial presented by Workday. And when Workday signed that deal, their, their deal years ago was $13 million a year, roughly around that number. Well, to make it a designated event and have a $20 million purse, the PGA Tour, out of its reserves, came in and, and gave money to Workday and, and made that a, a designated event. Um, but that's just for this year only. So the PGA Tour has told these title sponsors next year, you got to fork up nine to ten more million more dollars and these sponsors to be a designated event. And these sponsors are like, wait a minute, hang on. We're, we're, we're not getting any more TV time for this title sponsor. We're, as a matter of fact, there's no guarantee that these players, these stars, are going to play in our events because it's not required of them next year. So they're pushing back um, as far as like giving you know millions and millions of dollars more. So that was a big issue. Not to mention these non-designated events, these regular tour events that have full fields. They're, those sponsors are like, wait a minute, we're not getting the stars, period. So there, there's been some pushback from a sponsorship element, and that's a big deal for, for the PGA Tour. And they, they were desperately trying to figure, way, figure out a way to fix this financially. Well, I wonder how the sponsors are going to react to this announcement. That's a great question, because where the money is coming from, because Live Golf could not commercialize really in the United States, because in the society, considering where the money is coming from, the Saudi Arabian government, that companies were hesitant to latch themselves on to live golf us companies that is you know they feel like if they became a sponsor with live golf or you know a player on that tour that they could alienate women they could alienate the gay community so they were very hesitant now if this deal goes through and that's a big if by the way we can talk about that later if this deal goes through then you know what are these companies going to do now? Because the money is all coming from the Saudi Arabian Pub, uh, Arabia Public Investment Fund. You know, we're hearing many different versions, Todd, about what this merger truly is and what this will look like moving forward. What do you think is the most likely version of what we've been hearing? There's a lot of steps that have to happen. Well, first, it's got to. Um, this has to be approved by the Department of Justice more than more than the PGA Tour Policy Board because there is an investigation. And considering that a, a government, a foreign government, would essentially have the majority uh, ownership of a, of a sports league, you know, there, there's some antitrust issues that DOJ is investigating. And so I'm hearing a lot of rumblings. It's going to be challenging, to say the least, for this to be approved by the DOJ. Then it's got to be approved by the PGA Tour Policy Board. And right now, the emotions, as you mentioned, earlier of the players are very high um there there there's a lot of pga tour players at least that are very unsatisfied with the way this is going so there's going to have to be a lot of selling by jay monahan the pga tour commissioner and the officials from the pga tour to get this approved um let's say those things happen from what i understand the pga tour schedule starting next year is going to go from january in maui to the tour championship and it's going to remain the same so does that mean this this other tour is going to run consecutively with events as the PGA Tour is running? Or is it going to be in the fall? You know, those things are, are still 
are still t- TBD. And, and that, that, that's what's so fascinating about this, that, that this came out without a real structure of what this, this association is going to be like moving forward. Well, Todd, I think another thing that was was kind of intriguing to me last week was uh, the it, it would appear that Jimmy Dunn, uh, who's on the PGA Tour policy board, who had a, a major role in the negotiation mm-hmm. of this deal. It's almost like he was the spokesperson last week uh, for the tour with a couple of the interviews that that he did. And I'm sure you saw those. But I, I was really um Intrigued would be the word I would use again by his interview uh, with ESPN on Friday. And everyone knows uh, of Jimmy's history with the World Trade Center, 9-11, the people that he lost and his uh, Mm -hmm. commitment to all those people. And I think initially my reaction to this whole thing was uh, somewhat of of amazement that, that he would have played the role in helping broker this deal the way that he did. But I guess when I had a chance to possibly see how this thing was going to be structured going forward in, in regards specifically to tour players that had turned down live money, actually owning an equity share in this new company, those that had taken the live money, not having the opportunity to have an equity share. It's it's almost like more and more of these facts come out. Maybe this thing makes even more sense. Did you have that same reaction? <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, I've I'm, known I'm Jimmy. I know you guys have met him too, and, and have you know uh, some kind of relationship with him. And I do believe he loves the game of golf for sure. Um, it's 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 a big part of his life. Um, I found I found it interesting that it sounds like, according to what he said and what I've read, that he just kind of did this on his own. <laughs> you know, he reached out to Yasser Al-Rimyan, who is the um, manager of the public investment fund, who controls all the money, on his own without you know without any kind of Within, without any kind of approval or any kind of pushing by the PGA Tour. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think the players – I mean, if you remember that meeting they had in Delaware prior to the BMW Championship, the stars aligned and got together. Tiger and Ricky flew in from South Florida. Um, and essentially, that group of a couple dozen players helped formulate the PGA Tour as we know it with these designated events. And I can promise you, Every player in that room was approached by Liv Goff, and many were given offers, and they turned them down. And so I, I've spoken with several of those players that were in that meeting, and they're very upset. They feel manipulated. They feel betrayed. And so now they're going to have to be – they're going to have to feel whole by the PGA Tour. Now, a big thing that Jay Monahan said in the players' meeting in Canada once this announcement came out last Tuesday, he said all the top guys, the top ten guys specifically – that turn down live money will make more money in their career than the players that left to go to live now. And it got quite a reaction in that room, by the way. Um, so there is some kind of formula someone put together, just not now. So I'm, I'm thinking it is going to be equity or these players are going to be paid up front, but yeah, there's, there's still, there, there are still festering wounds emotionally from these players that turned down live and, and heard this announcement last week. Do you suspect any repercussions from those players who did turn down big money deals or will this, you know, kind of kind of make salve things over? You know, there are rumors out there. There, there could be some lawsuits from these players filed against the tour. Um, I, I would be surprised if there are lawsuits filed against the tour. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I think this, there's been quite a bit of an undercurrent of a player's union. A players association 
um, that the tour definitely does not want to happen. Um, but them not having a voice in this partnership between the PGA Tour and PIF and DP World Tour, I, that has really ramped up that discussion that they should have a voice at the table when there's some big thing like this happening. You know, not only this, but the TV rights deals and so on and so on. So, yeah, they're, they're, like I said, there's a, still a lot of emotion amongst these players that stayed on the PGA Tour. Has Jay Monahan lost the trust of the players? Right now, I would say yes, um, he has. Um, and I'm not saying that he can't win that trust back. But again, and, and, and granted, he admitted that it was hypocritical uh, for him to make this deal, given what he said a year ago on national television at the RBC Canadian Open. Um, and the fact that he's been pushing these players to stay and stay loyal to the PGA Tour, it's about legacy and so on. But yeah, he's, yeah, just, I, I, I've, every player that I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot, <laughs> I asked that same question, do you trust Jay Monahan? And the players said right now, no. They don't, and and but again, I'm not saying he can't win it back. But right now, it's going to be a tough task. One thing that I found interesting is the tour is going to maintain their nonprofit status, but this new entity, whatever it will be named, will be a for-profit. So basically, they're starting a a, a new business, aren't they? Yeah, it's a new co. They call it a new company. Yeah, they're going to start a brand new business, and that the most interesting part about that is that that business is still being put together. Uh, you know, they're still formulating it. So yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Todd, I would be uh, curious to get your thoughts on the, the dynamics of the Ryder cup going forward. And it's, it's kind of interesting now in that obviously the PGA of America uh, still retains its ownership share of the American mm-hmm. Ryder cups. And now all of a sudden the PGA tour uh, is actually, in bed with the DP World Tour and, and obviously PIF as well, and that seems to be the Ryder Cup faction that will be um, on the other side of the the pond, so to speak. I mean, I, what, what do you see the the future of the Ryder Cup, and how does this affect that? Well, that's a great question, Ted. I mean, I, I from what I understand now, this is a fluid situation, obviously, but from what I understand, the Ryder Cup and the qualifications and the selections are going to stay the same for this year that they were. A week ago or two weeks ago um but i don't know what that means moving forward not only the Ryder cup but the president's cup too now the president's cup is controlled by the pga tour um and you know but yeah it's i i think you know i i wouldn't i would be shocked if, if brooks kepka is not on the u.s team and i would be shocked if any current live golfer is on the European team. <laughs> so I don't think much of that dynamic has changed for this year. But moving forward, if if professional golf is under one giant umbrella, I think it'll go back to the way it was before Live Golf, where any player, no matter what tour that tour that player uh, competes on, will represent its country or continent. And this, this is probably going to be too complex of a question for you to answer, but I'm going to take a crack at it anyway. Yeah. So a little-known fact uh, is that in the PGA of America's television rights deal with NBC, the extension that took place through 2030 for $440 million, the PGA Tour has a 10% uh, right share of those television fees. So the $44 million that would go back to the PGA Tour in the form of those television rights from the Ryder Cup, would that go into 
the nonprofit or the for-profit part of the tour business? <laughs> well, you're right. It's probably too complex <laughs> for me to answer, Ted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've had people and in, in our business say, what does this do for the current PGA Tour media rights deals with NBC, CBS, ESPN, and of course the Golf Channel as well? This, this possible you know, association partnership with PIF and the PGA Tour and DP World Tour. I mean, there's a lot, there's, a, there's so much to unpack um, since that announcement on Tuesday from an emotional and a business perspective. I mean, there, there's, I feel like right now, I mean, this is, this is said loosely. But I firmly believe that there, this is a fact, there are more questions than answers right now, even amongst the people that made this deal. Well, you've kind of answered my, my next question a, a little bit. I was going to ask you, you know, what you thought professional golf was going to look like next year. But I guess more specifically, you know, we find out last week that evidently Jay Monahan is the person that's going to be in a controlling position to determine what live is going to look like. Right next year. How? What, what do you think the future of that's going to be? Well, I I think I, I think Greg Norman has served his purpose, um, and that he probably will not be a part of this deal if indeed again it comes to fruition. Um, I I would be surprised if Live Golf is happening. The same tour that we see Live Golf have for twenty twenty three will be happening in twenty twenty four. Um, so I, I don't see Jay Monahan approving a competing tour against the PGA Tour. Uh, so I, I don't see that happening. If I had to guess what I – this is, a, a granted, an educated guess, but a guess nonetheless. I think the PGA Tour will remain in effect from Maui to Atlanta for the Tour Championship. And I, and I think there will be a fall dynamic now that will – yeah, I don't think it's going to be called Live Golf. It's going to be called some other tour, this Nuco, that will have the biggest of stars competing um, for big prize money. And there could be a team concept as well. But I, I would be shocked if any of those events happen while the PGA Tour is going on as well. Well, you did a good job of answering my next question. I was going to refer to uh, Rory McIlroy's presser last week where he alluded to the fact that he could be involved in some team activities next year and so that's kind of how you see that unfolding i kind of see that way but i mean but getting to rory um you know most of the big events uh, on the dp world tour these rolling series events the bmw european P- or pga championship you know the big event at wentworth and so on so those happen in the fall too so yeah it, it, i kind of see things happening in the fall from this new partnership this new co- uh, perspective but there's still a lot to unpack so much impact. You know, we all want to see the best players in the world compete against each other, but how do you think the fans are going to react to this? I mean, we, you know, everybody says, oh, I'll never watch that again, but you know, that's crap. But how do you think <laughs> that, the fans are going to react? Well, look, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I think, I think, I think friction is good in sports and entertainment. And you have, the players that generally create the most friction, they are no longer on the PGA tour. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we, you can fill in the blanks there. So to have these players back with the current PGA tour players, I think will create some animosity. I think there will be friction and I think that will have people watching. I mean, who wouldn't, who would love to see Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy playing <laughs> in the final group in a, in a, 
and a PGA Tour event, much less a major championship. I mean, the world would tune in for that, uh, especially as this professional golf world continues to change. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think people might be emotional right now, but once storylines start to develop, I think they'll watch. You know, I've been telling people, Todd, that if you look at this from a 30,000-foot viewpoint, long-term, I think this is good for golf. Do you agree with that or not? I, I want to say yes, um, but I still think we need more information um, to see exactly what the structure is, um, and more importantly, if it's financially sustainable. Um, but I, I think it could be, for sure, great for golf. I think you're right. Five, ten years down the road, golf could be bigger than it is right now. So, yeah, that, that's my thought right now. Obviously, Todd, you're in Los Angeles for the U.S. Open. Are we going to be talking about the U.S. Open this week, or are we <laughs> still going to be talking about the, the deal? Well, I think by Thursday we'll be talking about the U.S. Open for sure uh, for when round one starts. But, um, you know, it's I, I was out at LACC uh, on Sunday, and I talked to several players, several stars uh, on the PGA Tour that, that were approached by Live Golf. And here's what you're going to hear from these stars this week. It's tough for me to formulate an opinion until I get all the information. I think they have all uniformly <laughs> gathered together and said, and their agents have gathered and said, let's, let's just say this because we're going to be asked about it. Uh, and I, 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 but yeah, I think the live players are going, they're going to, they're going to be chirping. They got a lot to say. Uh, and I think, I think Phil's going to say something this week. He's going to speak to the media. Um, I'm going to have a conversation uh, on golf channel with Bryson DeChambeau this week. Um, and I, I think I, 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 it's going to be talked about for sure. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to create a shadow over this championship, no doubt about it. Well, this is a first time ever opportunity at, at LACC. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on the golf course, the venue, <laughs> and, and what you think we'll expect to see this week? Well, I, I, I saw LACC for the first time this week, um, and I came in with my eyes wide open and you know, not knowing what to expect. And I was totally blown away. Um, it's from a championship setup perspective, it is immaculate. The greens are, you can tell they've got them soft and slow right now, but they're going to be fast and firm because there's no rain in the forecast. Um, the rough, not only off the fairway, but around the greens, um, is, is dense and, and, and high. And it's, if you, if you, if you're not hitting fairways and greens, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, especially greens because it's tough to chip out of this stuff. So I think it, every player that I've talked to, and I've only talked to a few so far, but they say this is a great venue and it's, it's challenging, difficult, and fair, just like Oak Hill was for the PGA championship. So now that you've seen the venue, who's your pick? Man, it's too early, Brian. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm the worst at that. Uh, but I, I would definitely look at a guy who's going to hit greens. I think that's that's a big key this week because it's going to be very difficult to scramble um, around these greens given the protection they have, not only not only with the b deep bunkering, but as I mentioned, this high fescue-style rough around the greens. I'm, so, I'm, I mean, it, it, this kind of goes into the Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm category of those guys that that hit a lot of greens and great iron players yeah i was reading that they're they were trying like crazy to grow the rough the fairway rough they didn't it wasn't very thick and they've been watering and trying to get that to grow is that as penal as the rough around the green um it, it's interesting it looks like a bermuda style grass i i don't know what kind of grass it is out here from my first glance it's it's but the ball sinks i mean 
it's it just sinks and you have to like really chop it out of there and and if you've got like you might be able to approach the green with an eight iron nine iron wedge but from a seven iron backwards it's gonna you just you, you can't do much with it you just gotta hack it out um but yeah it's 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 dense for sure todd probably only gonna be about five thousand spectators per day there that's gonna be a lot different than many u.s opens how what do you what do you think that does to the atmosphere? <laughs> well, I think it's an intimate setting, the North Chorus. And, you know, you're surrounded by the skyline of Los Angeles. So that's cool. And, and you're right, 45,000 public tickets were sold. But there's a lot of, of commercial and hospitality space around. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing it's going to be about twenty, maybe 25,000 uh, all in all on the grounds while, while play is going on. So, I, you know, I, it's not going to be a Pinehurst, you know, where they have close to 50,000 fans on the grounds. But. You know, Pinehurst is a big property, as we all know, but but I think this is this is still going to be very cool. Well, Todd, it's going to be a busy week for you. I appreciate you taking the time to to join us today. Uh, have a great week at the U.S. Open and enjoy the constant coverage you'll be giving this merger <laughs> for the next several months. Hey, guys, it's so good to talk to really smart, uh, plugged-in guys like you as well. So thanks for having me. That's Golf Channel's Todd Lewis. He has been covering the PGA Tour for many years. His finger is definitely on the pulse of everything happening. So when he gives you an opinion, it is definitely, Ted, an educated opinion. Well, Brian, there was no better person than we could have had on this podcast to discuss last week's activities and give us that uh, preview of the U.S. Open. I think Todd Lewis uh, unequivocally one of the most respected voices in all of golf. Yeah, no question about that, and that will do it for this episode. Thanks to Todd Lewis for joining us, and thank you for listening, as always. For Ted Bishop, I'm Brian Hammonds. Join us again next time for Straight Down the Middle.